Namaste, everyone. This is Maria Turco, and welcome to the Honor Yoga Foundation TripleCast. And I am here today with Heather O'Neill, another powerhouse woman creating and making change in the world and inspiring women everywhere, which I absolutely love. Um, Spent a few minutes getting to know Heather and she is the epitome of altruism and really what I like to refer to as flow. And I don't mean yoga flow, (laughs) I mean life flow and you know really understanding your dharma as a person and how you can create change in the world and that's what our our triple cast is is really all about so um without further ado welcome heather hi thanks maria i'm so happy to be here with you today from morocco from Morocco, I was just going to say that. So for those, for our listeners who are listening to us on audio and not video, Heather is wearing this amazing, bright yellow, beautiful sweater with this amazing jewelry. And she is full of light and color. Yes. And her earrings, um, because everything is colorful in Morocco. You mentioned that before Heather, how everything is just so beautiful. Color. I'm just wondering why, you know, why is that? Is it, is it just, is, do you know the secret to that and why everything is just so colorful and beautiful in Morocco? You know, I think it's like, well, it's like a California, you know, Mediterranean climate. So the sun is always shining. Honestly, I feel like I, I found home when I, when I got to Morocco, you know, um, the sky is like blue, blue, even in January. So I really, um, it's hard to, it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> and you know, I think Morocco has such a rich artist and culture, um, that, you know, they, they live in color. They really do. It's a very vibrant culture. Even the food is very colorful. So it's something about the culture. And I always say that Morocco calls certain people, like it attracts artists and filmmakers. You know, there's a big film studio and where's the set? It really is a magical country. I encourage everyone to come visit when you get a chance, when borders aren't closed. <laughs> right. So right now, Morocco Morocco has held me captive um, for the moment, but uh, we'll get through that. Okay, so you were born in the U.S., so you'll have to tell everyone, and I'm curious to hear, you know, your story. What, you know, what inspired you to go down the path that you are now and what you know how did you make that transition from the U.S. to Morocco when did it all start so you know just just a bit of background I um I have a design degree and I was working in New York and I always wanted to join the Peace Corps I just felt this calling to like go serve in a developing country and I remember at the time my boss thought I was crazy you know I, I basically said I'm gonna quit my design job I'm on this career you know to be like in in, in the design world in New York. And um, I, I said, I'm gonna join the Peace Corps. And I went to their office and applied and I didn't really know what I was gonna do for the Peace Corps. I, I thought I could teach English or whatever they needed. And it turned out there was this artisan, a small business development program for artisans in Morocco. And oh man, that was just like a dream position for me, for someone with my background and for wanting to serve and help women in the developing world. So that was that was my intro. So Morocco sort of called me and then really it was the first weekend I arrived in Rabat. And it, you know, I don't know if you've had like an aha moment. I'm sure you, you've had many Maria too in your life um, of like, I'm supposed to be here kind of moment. And I really felt that from the very first weekend. 
So that was almost 20 years ago. Oh my goodness. Um, there have been a lot of paths since then, but I ended up back here. So I served as a Peace Corps volunteer for two years. I worked on women's development um, in a very rural area. And um, after I finished that, I came back to New York. I got a master's at NYU in business. But my passion was to start a business to help women after ha having seen the way they sold in local souks. You know, women had no bargaining power. And this was sort of the beginning of the internet, you know, beginning of Facebook, beginning of social media. So none of those channels existed to help women connect with the Western market. So my sister and I had an aha moment together. She's also a designer. And we thought we have to start a business to help connect rural women to the market. So that was, you know, I finished in 2005. We started the business Mushmina in 2009. So, um, so my introduction was the Peace Corps and I'm really grateful they still help me, you know, all my friends and colleagues and contacts, many have now become diplomats. They're all over the world. And I have to say it was, it was a life-changing decision to leave that job in New York and sort of jump ship, you know, not like I would say leap in the net appears, you know, I really didn't, didn't know what that was going to result in, but I just had this feeling like I was supposed to do that. So yeah. does that answer your question? Oh my goodness. It so answers, you know, the question and, and you know, kudos to you for being a, a woman leader and helping women. You know, I, I just got back from um, strategic growth forum. I was an Ernst and Young winning woman of the year in 20, this year, 2021. And, yeah. you know, and so I, I learned that, you know, women get less than 2% of VC funding out there. And that, you know, women of uh, my minority and of color get less than 1%. And so, you know, it, you know, women, you mentioned, you know, how, um, you know, women had no bargaining power there in Morocco. And, and so, you know, I'm really kind of curious, like, since you started this years ago, um, what, you know, have you seen a change and have you seen an impact? Like, ha how do you feel about, you know, today versus 20 years ago, women. Mm. You know, I mean, honestly, I think the internet has changed everything. Mm -hmm. You know, artisans are now selling off Instagram. And, you know, th think about, I'm talking 90% of the women I work with are illiterate. So they have very minimal education, sometimes just up till third grade. You know, it's very much rural development. So they don't, you know, have necessarily the skills to sell and to like export and to ship and, and to handle all that paperwork. But the internet has changed everything. I mean, artisans have their own Instagram accounts. Our lead weaver has her own Instagram account. So, you know, it's like access. It's, it's the social media is providing access to customers um, that didn't exist before. So what my sister and I sought out to do in 2009 was create this connection so now we're seeing, you know, there are other avenues for artisans to sell. So I encourage them, you know, they work with me, they sell through Mushmina, but they should also have their own Instagram accounts. A lot of these women are part of um, cooperatives, so they, you know, they can have their own entities. So I, you know, part of my mission also is like mentoring and coaching. So I feel like this year, in year 12, I've sort of stepped into more of that, you know, being a coach and a mentor to help get women to be their own business leaders, you know. So empowering them to take those steps themselves. 
I love that. I love how you have an abundance mentality, right? And you're not like hoarding their talent for yourself and for your own gain. And, you know, you believe, hey, my company can grow, but I can help them grow their company too. And that takes a certain type of person to have that abundance you know, mentality for sure. I, I recently did that with a, a new business that I spun off in, in um, this year. It's called My Fit Pod. And it was, you know, even though I have honor yoga, it's because I saw the individual curator, the individual fitness and wellness professional, the individual yogi um, who really wanted to not just teach for a studio, but to be out there live streaming and doing things on their own, elevating them. And I built that business as a passion. So it's really interesting how you took that route of, hey, and it is a route of abundance mentality that, that you have. I think that's so admirable. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so when I think it's like, like one of those things that it's, um, it's a shift and like one thing in Morocco, that the country teaches us all the time is you can't force anything. You know, they have a um, a word, inshallah, if God wills, you know, like if the higher power wills it to happen, it will. So I sort of see this shift happening where, you know, I started the business as a way to serve, to connect Western women to, to artists and crafts. So if there are other ways to buy things, I'm sort of riding with that wave, like, okay, maybe I have a new role as a consultant, you know, and it's funny, so I'm working with a couple of different companies, an NGO, um, Care International has projects in Morocco, and it's women's economic empowerment. So they've hired me as a consultant to coach women. So that's sort of a new new spinoff of Mushamina that I've been doing this year. But I'm sort of just going with that that flow of the river, you know, not fighting it and saying, okay, maybe it's time that I like shift, you know, somewhat. Yeah, right. That That sounds amazing. That's a good philosophy. We're using the flow, the word flow in many different ways today. Um, so so Mush, Mushmina, what, what's the name mean? What's behind the name? So people think it's an Arabic word. It's not. <laughs> it was a funny nickname that I called my sister as a kid. So when we started the business together 12 years ago, we were trying to think of business names and we thought of Mushmina and you know, it's like uh, Ashkash Bagash, like there's no real um, meaning. So it's a made up word. So there's no Google competition. <laughs> so we went with Mushmina and it really works because to us, it meant like a sisterhood, a global sisterhood. And the word to me means little sister, you know, so and uh, Moroccans kind of go like, oh, you know, it really does sound like it could be an Arabic word. So it worked for us also. I love it. Talk a little bit more about the women that work that you work with and that um, make the products and talk a little bit about the products that you've created. Yeah, so this, is our, this is one of our postcards. So, you know, we're accessories designers. So we do robes, bags. I'll show you. I have a, um, a bright yellow clutch. This is a cosmetic clutch. And we sort of became known for our fabrics. Moroccan upholstery fabrics are really vibrant. So the first product we made were bags out of the upholstery fabrics, not very um, dissimilar to this clutch that I, I'm still making today. So sort of our claim to fame is this Moroccan upholstery fabric in bags. And we've sold them to National Geographic. My sister was on QVC a couple of times. Um, so, you know, that sort of was what the brand became known for. But we also do um, clothing more recently and accessories. And it's all made, you know, preserving artists and crafts. So we use traditional uh, beads and different techniques that you know embroidery that's traditional to Morocco so we try to incorporate from many different regions of the country like what each region does best so like mm -hmm. leather from Marrakesh the embroidery comes from uh, near Fez 
So it's really an artist and, you know, bespoke uh, boutique brand is how I would describe it. That's amazing. Your biggest customer, U.S. customers? It, yeah, we're mostly mostly U.S. And I'd like to expand to Europe because of the proximity of Morocco. New shipping solutions just opened like FedEx. FedEx is shipping from rural Morocco, where I am, to California in less than a week. I think they've wow. got U.S. beat right now. <laughs> yeah. So um, none of that existed even a year ago. So I've seen shifts in the market where most of our, I'd say 90% of our market is U.S., right now, but I'm looking at Europe, you know, as ways to expand. Um, and then we also have a nice customer base in Morocco. There are a lot of expats here, a lot of international women, and they like our brand because it's sort of modern Morocco. You know, it's a kaftan, but it has like a modern spin on it. So that that's our look. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk a little bit more about your sister, little sister, big sister here in business with her. Yeah, yeah. So we've been in business for 12 years together. We started this together. And she and p- people would joke, they say, how, how is it to work with your sister? Um, but we would say, well, we live on different continents. So it works. <laughs> <laughs> she was always based outside of Philadelphia. So Katie um, ran our retail shops. We had a shop on South Street in, in, in uh, Philadelphia for a couple of years. And then we were out in the suburbs in Wayne, PA sort of a bigger, more expanded space. Um, and then Katie really has her finger on the pulse. She's had the, the the vision, you know, that brick and mortar boutique stores are sort of like a downtrend in the US, people are shopping online. So this is pre-COVID and she decided, you know, our lease was up, maybe we should close the store and just focus on doing online sales and pop-ups. So we did that just the year before COVID. So we were really happy that we didn't have all the overhead that we used to at the time. Mm-hmm. So, Such yeah. a smart decision. Yeah. yeah. So how, how have your supply chain issues been? None, right? Because you're sourcing where you are and you're shipping um, internationally. You haven't had the challenges that many people have had here in the U.S., I would imagine, during yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes and no. Like oh, everything sourced locally, the wool, the weavers. But during lockdown, like Morocco was in a severe lockdown. You couldn't travel between cities. Like it was it was pretty intense. Um, so we had wholesale orders at the time that were still going. So we had a problem trying to get the raw materials from one city to the next. But the women were really creative about it. Like if you had a doctor's note, you could travel. So they did stuff like that. So, you know, I have to say Moroccan women are so resourceful. We found a way, you know, and, and our biggest wholesale customer placed a really nice order through 2020 that kept the women working for almost a year. So I'm grateful for, for business like that. You know, another w- women-led company as well. So Yeah, so all of our listeners listening, definitely support, support, right? It's great, great yeah. business to support. So, you know, you talked a little bit about the culture of flow there, Morocco, but you know, I I love um, you know, I love your answer of um what you've learned, you know, from the Western culture and how maybe we here in the US um we tend to grip, I, I call it gripping on um, to things. Can you can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you've learned from the culture and really how that 
applies to it is a yoga practice essentially right and you know your your view of yoga (laughs) everyone should come to Morocco and have an experience in surrender honestly it's a surrender it's letting go that grip that that you mentioned this country will show it to you and it's it's like I don't know if Morocco is on a ley line spiritually or something, but I always felt very spiritually connected here. Um, I mean, people are very religious, so they pray five times a day. So there's that element going on, um, and the, the history of the country. Um, I think they're they're spiritually driven people. So that so like let's say, okay, I'm I'm I was supposed to be in New York today. Um, it didn't happen, and Moroccans re- the response would be. Uh, miktub. Miktub in Arabic means it was written. It means it wasn't meant to be and they just release it. And I've really learned that lesson over and over. In the first couple of years, I think of living here, it's it's a hard lesson to learn. You know, in the West, we fight it, we grip. And here they just, they surrender. And I see it, my husband's Moroccan and he, um, he has that real like live in faith kind of attitude, like it's not meant to be. And I, I think I, I learned that a lot from the people around me, you know, and, um, and it's so true, you know, so before I learned that lesson, it's like swimming up river and you have to just surrender. If something's not working, you know, just let it go really. And Morocco teaches you that big time. (laughs) So if you want to bring a yoga retreat here, and we can practice that surrender. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna book it in my calendar right now. <laughs> How can we bring yoga to rural Morocco? This is my question for you. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna definitely talk about that, and uh, we'll talk to Tracy about that too. <laughs> so yeah, um, I want to put her in charge of the Morocco yoga retreat. Here you go. Yeah, no, it's it's so interesting. We do grip here in the U.S. And, you know, my family is Italian and I go to Italy every two years and I want to cry whenever I come back because, um, you know, it, it, it's that it's that environment of just love. And we don't um, we're not always just working for the next thing and the next thing in the future. We're in the moment more. And, you know, and I love your I love how you talk too about like your socialized socialized medicine and and how you've had your children in Morocco. And I can't wait for you to tell us about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. When I read it, I was like, oh my God, that sounds like my story. So I had my my first, I have two daughters. I have my first daughter here in um, a hospital and they gave me like, you know, Pitocin to try to speed up um, the birth. And because it is a business in the US, giving birth is a business and C-sections are a business. And I almost had a C-section, but I didn't. And I remember with my second daughter, I did it completely different. I hired a midwife. I had her at home in a birthing pool with 16 of my closest family and friends. And it was the most empowering experience of my life. But I never forget, I called the insurance company, Heather, and it's similar to, you know, kind of what you're, the point you're going to make and you're going to tell us about. And they were like, yeah, no, if you have the baby in the hospital, it's um, $32,000. And if you have the baby at home, it's 16,000, but we're not going to cover it. <laughs> I'm like, what? uh, what, why I'm saving you $16,000. Why would you not cover my birth? I have a, a licensed doctor and, a, um, a professional team, you know, and, um, it was very interesting. So, um, it, it was, it, it was kind of a real eye opener to your point, right. Of like, you know, our medical and our system here in the U S. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience. Cause it sounds like it was probably very similar. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm not, you know, Morocco 
the healthcare is okay, but in, in a pandemic, um, we're seeing the challenges of being in a developing country. I mean, that, that's why the government closed the borders because they just are not equipped to handle yeah, yeah, but I mean, so that aside, having two kids here, you know, I'm an entrepreneur based in Morocco. I, I don't have U.S. health insurance. And that was it. Like I, my C-section for um, my my daughter was, what's the word? She didn't slip. So I couldn't take the risk to be billed like $60,000 for a C-section. So I had her here for $750 in a private oh Moroccan clinic two nights in a private room. And I said, what is, what is messed up in the U.S. system that it's, it's out, outrageously expensive, you know, the insurance company is getting involved, et cetera. Um, that said, I mean, it was definitely an interesting experience, you know, having my first baby. My, my mother wasn't here because she came early. And, you know, so not having the family support was, was sort of tough. So, I, you know, I don't know if I'd recommend coming to Morocco for a medical vacation, but people do that, you know, because um, healthcare is a lot less expensive in other countries. But like, you know, Morocco was able to vaccinate most of the population right now. So that was good, but there are definite other challenges. So, you know, I think as an American living abroad, I, I see, I feel like we do have the best of both worlds. I see the best in each country and that where it needs to be improved. So that's a really great point, which is really a yoga practice, right? There is no judgment. There's no right or wrong. It's just yin and yang, right? It's this yang yeah. and, and, and the yang. And, and then somewhere between the yin and the yang, there's, there's balance. So, so speaking of yoga, what, what does yoga mean to you? Yoga to me is, is like, is peace, really. It's an hour of self-care or an hour and a half, however long you take. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and I, honestly, I really miss that in my life. Like I have two toddlers. Life is so busy. And today I went and got a massage. You know, like self-care for women is so mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a yoga center is like honor yoga it's not just the class, it's the environment and showing up to, to like practice self-care. Like that's what yoga to me means self-care and to like carve the time out of my schedule to do that is so rare these days in my life. But I recognize even having this conversation with you, I recognize this is self-care, you know, talking to other entrepreneurs about our struggles, our triumphs. I think that women need to do that more. And a friend of mine in Casablanca, her daughter, is like a prenatal specialist. She she opened um, a center for women. It's it's a birthing center, but it's she does. Um, have you ever heard of this? Marie? It's called closing of the bones. Have you heard? No. Of this? Mm -mm. So, so this is this is so amazing to me. After you have a baby, they do this practice, and in in olden days in Morocco, they did it in the hammam in the public bath, where the hammam, the woman that scrubs you. They do this thing where they wrap your, your abdomen, they wrap your waist to close your bones after you've given birth. So it's sort of a, it's a spiritual procedure that they did. And the, the, like my husband's grandmother, like, oh yeah, it's something that they used to do. But my friend's daughter opened this center where they're offering that again in like in a massage room and, you know, like looking at old traditional techniques that women did and women shared with each other that we've sort of forgotten. You know, in modern times, like 
our ancestors and the history of like how women took care of each other after giving birth. And so I think, you know, and this is really progressive in Casablanca. She offers yoga and Pilates. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's something that we need to pay attention to self-care. I love that. It just got the goosebumps. That That's a pretty, um, that's really amazing. Yeah, there is this just this, this this process of empowerment, you know, when you give birth and and to be able to um, incorporate that with self care and support. It just sounds so amazing, so amazing. So you talk a little bit about um, this thing. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's is it is it Rizik similar Rizik similar to. Dharma. So in yoga, we say, you know, Dharma, your purpose, your, you know, I, I love how you, you know, you talked about um, earlier how you made a time capsule when you were little. And then the time capsule, you said you wanted to be, you know, a designer and woof, here you are, right? Living your Dharma, do, being a designer and helping women. I think that's so amazing. So, so what is this? Is it Rizik? Rizik, Rizik. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's an Arabic it. word. And it's sort of, it's it's along the same lines of McTube again, like it was meant to be. So when people like they say to me, oh, you know, you're an American and you ended up in, in a more rural area, even where we live right now. I live about an hour outside of Casablanca. So it's, it's closer to where I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I'm the only American in the whole town. So I'm sort of living definitely off the beaten path. And people go, oh, it's your Rizik. Like it means it's your dharma, you know, like Morocco called me here. And I know I talked a little bit about um, really my life's purpose. Like when I, when I'm training rural women, I feel most connected spiritually to like my path and what my mission is. And, you know, and, and some days I'm like, we all do, we just show up, just show up and do the best you can. That day. And I feel like I'm really supposed to help women in that way. You know, and, and some of the communities I work with are so rural. I mean, really, you, you can't imagine. You know, Morocco is such a vast and beautiful country. And, you know, it's still developing countries. So there's still areas where people don't have access to markets to sell. And I mean, so like I said, the Internet's changed everything. So if they can acquire skills to like learn how to make products that will sell and then connect to these Internet platforms, um, to help them sell. I mean, it's, it's been the biggest game changer, you know, women in rural Morocco on Instagram, like that has been the last five years. So it's beautiful. That is just so beautiful. I, it's, and you're right. You feel like you're your authentic self and you feel like you're not working a day in your life. Cause you just love what you do. Yeah. And, and I love, I really, I love the off-road drives. Like I drive hours and hours, like off the beaten path. My friends in Morocco think it's, sort of crazy where I drive in a day and because we live in the middle of the country it's like a three-hour drive to get anywhere but it's a beautiful drive um if you go to our Instagram to their pictures sometimes I take video of some of those trips so they're really my most favorite thing to do is doing that kind of like workshop um training with women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it you got so you're your website is mushmina.com, M-U-S-H-M-I-N-A.com. Is that correct? Right. Great. Do you, want, do you want me to show you some of the products real quick? Yes, absolutely. Show us and talk us through it. Okay. We're, so we're in my studio, which is connected to my house. It's, it's 830 at night. So this is like this live work 
balance that we have in Morocco. <laughs> my kids come to meetings with me. All the, the artisans know my family and I know theirs. It's great. You know, sometimes like I have to shut my door and, but the, you know, the work never ends, but I'm able to do it from home in, in the studio. And we're really a cottage industry business. So most of the work is done in women's homes. I had a workshop for a couple of years with sewing machines, um, et cetera. And in the end, we closed it because they prefer to work at home in the same way that I do now. So I can understand it. Um, so here, these are woven totes. So this is like a, a, a overwashed, hand-woven tote bag that's made in rural Morocco, finished in Casablanca. So the finishing is top-notch, but they're all made with, um, you know, hand-woven products. These are our newest jackets. They're really wild. This is like a burgundy, wild upholstery fabric. I'll show you. Um, this is a crop-ton, great for yoga. So these are all rayon. And the fabrics are actually upcycled. So a lot of the fabrics that come into Morocco are uh, remnants from Europe, from some big brands. Zara remnants sometimes show up. And we make um, limited run, you know, clothing, limited production from those remnants. So this is a robe. And it's all very colorful with hand um, finishing, hand stitching, finishing. Um, so that, you know, that's really what we seek to do is employ and empower women. And, and preserve the traditional craft of Morocco. That's wonderful. And you know, that there's energy, right? When you wear that, I can't wait to go shopping. You know, you're wearing energy of, you know, women who put their their love and their their spirit into, into the fabric and that's transient and that's a beautiful thing. I love it. Last question for you, Heather. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and what would it say and what would it represent? Good question. Um, you know, I, th I think something related to handmade, like we were, we were just talking about, mm -hmm. you know, not, it's the opposite of fast fashion. It's limited production. It's being conscious about what we buy and what we wear and who it employed and where it came from. Mm -hmm. Um, it would say something like that, you know, like a, and it's funny in, in, in college, I went to the school of visual arts, my undergrad, and one of the classes was advertising for social change. So we had questions like that, you know, um, what does success mean to you? And success always to, to me meant freedom, you know, and being an entrepreneur and designing my life and my business and my schedule has always felt very freeing to me. Um, so anyway, I think my billboard would be like a social mission billboard, you know, buy handmade, think about what you're buying and why and who it impacts. That's right. I, you yeah. know, I don't even think, I don't even think I would try to sell you a kaftan, you know, just the <laughs> message. Right, just the message, right. Buy local, source local, support local and the people and the energy and the love behind it. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and women in business, women in business too. Mm -hmm. I really... Uh, you know, I feel like we've come a long way. Um, I'm a big fan of Tori Birch and the Tori Birch Foundation. She's done a lot. Like she's been involved with our business a lot, um, inviting us to events to sell. And I, I just think that really more women, you know, getting angel funding and investment. Um, I, I think we still have a long way to come to help scale our businesses. Um, you know, so I've seen a lot of progress, but I also feel like a, there's still a long way to come, especially in Morocco. <laughs> this is still a very patriarchal society. So 
you know, I've seen a lot of progress, but um, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> it is. And we have a lot of work to do. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing in 2022 women founders and companies that support women founder and minority founders. And that's my, my Dharma in 2022. So Heather, thank you for inspiring women everywhere and for empowering, you know, women in Morocco and really being a leader, you know, and as we, as you know, um, as they say, um, you know, be the change that you wish to see in the world. You are a yogi, and we are grateful to you for your for your service and your inspiration. Thank you so much for having me. Really, we, we all need to uplift and empower each other. Tell everybody your website one more time and everyone go shopping. Support these Mush wonderful. Mina. Mushmina. M-U-S-H-M-I-N-A. There you go. Check Thank it out. You. <laughs>